Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Welcome back to the land of Canada. But uh, it seems you've brought something home with you. I have. I brought home American germs. Oh, no. (laughs) Although, I guess they might be Canadian germs. I mean, I don't really know where I got it from, only that I got it in California. So, I mean, maybe it was somebody else bringing it to California and then me just bringing it up to Canada. I don't know, but... I feel like I have every type of con cred that you could possibly have. I've got the stuffy nose. I've got the coughing and the sneezing. I've got the headaches. I've got the lung stuff. Mm. I've just, oh my God, I'm, I am a mess. I am a hot mess right now, Ryan. (laughs) You're a a, a Petri dish of convention fun. And this is, I don't even know what it was this year. I don't know what happened. I don't know why, but for some reason, and I was intensely careful like i i washed my hands like they do at the hospital and i was like standing there for like two minutes every time i went into the bathroom and like half the time if i knew like i was gonna go out for dinner or whatever i went and washed my hands like i was washing my hands like a mad woman apparently this con cred did not care (laughs) (laughs) i was so careful and it was just like nope you're gonna get sick and that's just what's happening (laughs) so yeah i am I am exhausted. I am not thinking straight, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> and for all those wondering, uh, why is Ryan forcing Jocelyn uh, against her will to record a show while she is sick? Uh, it, it's she. She said it was okay. Also, it's, yeah, it's fine. No, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. Also, we're not. This this could be depending on how. I don't want to say like, oh, this will be a short episode, and then we go for like an hour and a half. But I feel like. <laughs> We're going to go over some BlizzCon stuff. I really want to hear sort of your take on being there. That's always my favorite part of a post-BlizzCon because, honestly, uh, any 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 podcast can go over the announcements. Um, there's only a select, not a select few, but a certain amount that have a co-host that actually goes and can say firsthand um, what what Lilith uh Lilith's skin cape smells like. I really want to know what her skin cape smells like. That sounds really creepy now that I've said it yeah, twice. Yeah. Uh the so first time bad. was fine, but the second time, <laughs> mm, probably over a line there. Yeah, and I mean, being at BlizzCon this year obviously was a little bit different just because the kind of vibe around Blizzard was different. So, I mean, you, you there's no way around it. I mean, they mm-hmm. tried to tiptoe around it, but um, the Hearthstone controversy with Blitzchung from uh, about a month ago now with uh, not necessarily Blizzard's comments on China. The, the problem is Blizzard refuses to comment on China, which everyone is reading into and saying that obviously that is like by by not commenting, they're making a comment. And that is that they are supporting China. And it's just it's such a, a complicated issue that it was definitely hanging over the festivities, shall we call them. And so Jay Allen Brack came out right off the get-go and kind of did another explanation slash apology mm-hmm. that um, went over pretty well, um, I will say, at least for, for the crowd that was there. And, I mean, you guys can call me a, a shill or whatever, but, I mean, to be honest, like, Jay Allen Brack was no fan's choice to take over from Mike Morheim, and those are some really big shoes to fill. And this was the first time that I felt like Brack even came close. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was talking to some people kind of behind the scenes, um, and 
they were all just like, yeah, we know he doesn't have the best like stage presence, but you know, he, he was never intending on being the big guy, the talking in front of people guy. Like he just wanted to make games. And then, you know, as he kind of rose, then he, he started to add to take like public speaking lessons and everything else. They're like, yeah, we know he's a robot. He's trying really hard not to be. And I felt like his opening statement um, before the countdown was, was probably the most like relatable he's ever been. Like I've never actually met the guy. I've just been super put off by a lot of the stuff that he's said and done over the years. So, I mean, I was coming from a place of like, I don't like this dude anyway. <laughs> and then now you're you're kind of like not acting in the way that I would hope that a company would act. But um, at the same time, like it is it's a super complicated issue. I kind of agree where the company has ended up in that they want to keep their broadcasts about esports and that regardless of what the statement was, they would have shut it down. So, I mean, they have walked back, and I don't know if I've actually talked about it on Gamers In much, um, but we talked about it extensively on TAC because we've gotten into the Grandmaster's rules and what all this stuff means, but essentially, he's he has, like, they have walked back his punishment pretty mm -hmm. much the whole way, and his six-month suspension uh, from the Masters Tour doesn't actually really impact him as a Grandmaster. So... It's it's a really interesting place because to someone who isn't familiar with the way the Hearthstone esports works, it seems like he's suspended for six months. But really, it's it's almost as if they haven't done anything to him at all. Like it's almost like more of a penalty on the casters, <laughs> to be honest, because mm -hmm. they can't work any Blizzard events for six months, whereas he still gets to compete in Grandmasters. So. Anyways, it's getting a little bit into the weeds, but to yeah. say that it hung over the event is an understatement, and um, I think that where Blizzard ended up is probably the right place, and I think that they've essentially now done the right thing, and they're trying to communicate the fact that they understand that they failed, like, right out the get-go, and I think that that was really important. So I'm kind of back to a place of giving them the benefit of the doubt and mm -hmm. kind of see where we go from here. So that was the big, like, being their difference, I think. Because to be honest, like, I was super worried. I really didn't want to even go to the opening ceremonies. And I think um, had I not had, like, my media pass, which let me go in kind of like the back entrance almost. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I had the ability to basically choose where I sat. So I sat like way far away from the main stage uh, because I was just, I was afraid. I was afraid and it could be the culture now, or it could be, you know, just my own like kind of personal anxieties and stuff. But one way or another, I didn't want to be like in the main ceremony area. Cause I was just like, I feel like something really bad is going to happen because there was mm. so much anxiety, negativity and, and grossness going on on the Internet. And sometimes it's hard to realize that, like, the Internet isn't real life <laughs> necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I was really worried and it um, diffused the situation on the ground quite well. Yeah. I, I really don't know why they apparently on the virtual ticket when you watch the opening ceremonies, they like started it at the countdown instead of having his speech. I think you can still find it in a couple of different places, but I'm like, why would you cut that out? <laughs> I know it there's so uh, from as someone who kind of 
tried to watch this as close to live as possible with you know with probably i think i was on like a, maybe a half hour or hour delay just based on when it started and when i had some free time to to start watching it i i did catch sort of uh the intro speech and for me as someone who's not as in, invested in blizzard games but but has been seeing the news pop up constantly about this issue it felt like this was the, to me personally, it felt like this was the best case scenario in that Blizzard could have its cake and eat it too. Address the concern, make everyone who's super angry, like not, you're not going to win the people who are super angry, but the people who are on the line, you know, keep them neutral or maybe even bring them up to the, okay, yeah, I, I guess I'm cool with this. I think for me, it just felt like a a really good move. I'm glad they addressed it because honestly, you could see some companies of this size and this nature and the way they originally responded to it, you could see them not acknowledging it at all. Like I'm thinking, you know, not current Nintendo, maybe and not current Microsoft, but maybe like five or 10 years ago, Microsoft or Nintendo or even Sony just sitting there and not addressing the elephant in the room and being like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And the elephant is like right behind them and like tapping on the shoulder. (laughs) We've seen that in gaming before. And the fact that Blizzard comes out, starts their, their very public, very free uh, announcement stream with this, with this announcement is great. But then you see them removing it from sort of the, the, uh, the uh, reposting of the video seems odd uh, in in the sense that that should be and probably is their public statement, their current public statement in terms of this this weird, not mm-hmm. weird, but this controversy, right? Um, and really, it'll be moving forward. And you're right; like I even see it in Polygon. Um, they were talking about sort of the uh, everyone's breaking down their statement, and they talk about. Uh, it's is it Blitz? What is it? Blitzchung? What's his name? Uh, Blitzchung is the player's name. Right. So the player's name. They they talk about the player as if he's still being, you know, Im, you know, penalized. very much penalized. Yeah. Uh, and and they don't really break down the nuances. You're saying that he's still, you know, competing where he would want to compete, even though he's been, you know, uh, put on hold for six months in a, in a different bracket or something. Yeah. So essentially, the way Hearthstone esports works is there's like two levels of competition. So there's right. the grandmasters competition, and then there's the masters competition. So he's already a grandmaster, which means the only time masters competition would come into it would be if he uh, falls to the bottom of the Grandmaster League and then is in um, at risk of being relegated, which basically means kicked out of the top tier of Hearthstone competition. But he just um, won, right? So the fact that he's not going to be kicked out. Well, he didn't win. Oh, he didn't um, win, but, okay. So he didn't end up uh, at the top of the competition, but he also wasn't at the bottom. So this time around, he wasn't at risk. And... Also, there were multiple Masters Tour events that had occurred over the past year that he didn't attend anyway, even though he got invited to them. So, I mean, I, I'm i not going to, to sit here and, and try to imagine exactly how much of a punishment he feels it is, though Blitzchung himself seems to be understanding and fine with the decision. It's like everyone's being outraged on his behalf. But essentially what it means is that um, he's no longer, he was not allowed to compete at uh, Bucharest, which just happened. And then there's another one in at the end of January in Arlington. And so those two events, they're like the big, huge LAN events, like the dream hacks that I worked used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the big, huge LAN events. Those are the Masters Tour. 
So he's basically been told he's he's not allowed to compete at those two events, but he wasn't competing at them anyways. So he's still allowed to compete in the Grandmaster League, which uh, we're not even 100% sure when the start date of Season 3 is going to be. But he's still allowed to compete in that league. It seemed to be the league he was competing in anyways, uh, and he wasn't didn't seem to be caring about the Masters Tour very much at all. So it's not as much of a punishment as everyone's making it out to be because his his like he got all his earnings back from season two. Um, he was allowed to compete in Grandmasters and his suspension from Masters Tour went from uh, one year to six months. Mm. So and again, like I say, I don't think he would have competed anyways, because if he was going to compete in a Masters Tour event, I would think it would be the one that was in Seoul. And he didn't go to the Masters Tour in Seoul. So, like, I can't see him going to, like, Erlington, Texas yeah. <laughs> if he huh. wouldn't go to Seoul when he's from Hong Kong just yeah. for, you know, travel logistics and, and money reasons. But anyways, it, um, it basically, was... what was what was a very strict punishment, removing mm-hmm. all his winnings from Season 2, which was something around, I think, fifteen to $20,000. Um, so taking that away from him, banning him for a year, and kicking him out of Grandmasters, yes, that was... An intense over-exaggeration, like his, I mean, I talked about this on TAC, like he didn't call for violence or anything else. He just wanted to bring attention to an issue that was very near and dear to his heart, which I think is fine. Um, But he used a platform that wasn't his. Like this wasn't a statement he made on his, you know, Twitter, on his YouTube or whatever, his Twitch stream. This was something he used Blizzard's platform to do. And so I think they are within their rights to say on our platform, we don't want to talk politics. We want it to be about the games. Like we don't want to get into those weeds. I I can I can get behind that and stand by that. But I think that they went way too far hmm. because basically the rule that he violated has a certain set of um, whatchamacallums of, of uh, penalties associated with it because it's meant to be a deterrent. It's meant to be the rule that covers everything that... You know, people see the the problem or see the um, potential penalties and go, oh, I'm never going to do this because I don't want that to happen. Um, so it seems like somebody just made a really, really quick decision that they shouldn't have made. And yeah, anyways, so mm-hmm. <laughs> getting way more into the weeds into all of this than I meant to. But yeah, a lot of the articles that I see out there, I think, are written by people who don't necessarily follow Hearthstone Esports that closely and don't really understand what the current penalty imposed on him is, because I think... From Blitzchung, like him personally, I don't really think that he's going to see an impact from this at all. Because like I say, he wasn't playing a Masters Tour anyway, so I don't think he's going to to see um, much of an impact to, to his day-to-day Hearthstone life or his, um, his income in any way, shape, or form. Like I think everything's going to be the same for him. So I think he's fine. <laughs> he said he's fine. He said he's happy. So I think, yeah, uh, it's a lot of people that I just think want to kind of be angry and uh i i don't think that there's anything wrong with you know wanting the world to be better Mm -hmm. but i think there's more constructive ways to do it than railing in an american company i mean i've said this a couple of times in a couple different places now if you really want to make a difference in hong kong there are ngos and nonprofits you can donate to and you can write your representative of whatever government you have like so for us our member of parliament for in the states like your your congressman i guess like you know write your government tell them you're mad at china and you want to help hong kong like that's how you make a real difference and uh i don't really think yelling at blizzard on the internet is actually gonna do anything so no i mean yeah 
Blizzard's obviously, and and I think Blizzard's response in in terms of uh, addressing uh, the the concerns of of even some of the social media accounts um, for Blizzard China, like saying like you know, that's our partner. You know, we aren't even allowed to operate in China. We require a partner. That partner is NetEase, and and they, the partner put the statement out. Yeah, yeah I thought that was no a control. really. And they have no control over it. And that was something I'd said, you know, uh, weeks ago is that, you know, it sounds like just the language from that statement doesn't sound like anything that any actual Blizzard person would ever use because it sounds very much like the way that I've always heard either Chinese companies or Chinese government speak. Like, that's exactly what it sounds like is, you know, like the glory of the country. It's it's a lot of, yeah, that, that language that you're used to seeing. So... I think that expecting that to be written by someone not from there, it just, I don't know. There's just a whole lot of weird conspiracy stuff going around about Mm -hmm. all of this. And uh, yeah, so I think Blizzard has now done their best to explain themselves and the, the kind of people who it's, it's okay to be mad at the way that Blizzard went about everything in the first week of the controversy. But I think it's a little disingenuous to, still be holding that over their head when they have done everything they can to kind of explain themselves and walk it back. Because I've seen a lot of people say like, well, you're just lying to us. And it's like, well, okay. So they basically, you're saying you can't win because either they tell you the truth, but you just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Or they tell you a lie, but it aligns with what you are thinking. And so therefore you're still mad at them, but also they're lying to you. <laughs> so like, it just, it seems like they're just in a no win situation with some people. So I think they've done everything that they can. The opening statement at, at um, BlizzCon kind of um, explained a lot of stuff, made me feel like they understood why people were mad mm-hmm. and that they want to do better going forward. So now I'm kind of looking at all everything that they do kind of from now on because I'm not expecting this to be the, the end of it. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more... Um, as soon as you put a mic in front of people's faces now, there's going to be more incidents. And so going forward, it's how do they handle things that happen from now on as opposed to, you know, what are they going to do about BlizzCon? Because mm. they they have put it behind them, whether that's okay with people or not. They're like, this is our final decision. We've explained ourselves. We're moving on. So it's mm. just up to us to decide if we want to move on as well. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, again, we didn't talk about it on the show, but I'm sure you covered it in the sense that there were other teams on american soil like Amer- an american team that had had done had held up signs in support of hong kong and then, mm-hmm. and they were uh you know they were punished you know as as per the rules um yes, yeah. and again they they said publicly yeah we 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 knew there would be repercussions and no one's talking about those folks uh mm-hmm. they're still hung up on that original you're right that original action which blizzard has admitted was a was harsh and reactive um but it's good that so it it sounds like it didn't hang over the entire event and i think blizzard made a lot of smart choices uh across the board in terms of you know the other controversy from last year which was diablo immortal nowhere Mm. to be seen in the public facing um (laughs) opening ceremony it was really funny because yeah they didn't talk about it in the opening ceremony at all and I don't know uh, if you guys are aware or not, but I get a media pass to go because I actually go and cover BlizzCon for uh, multiple different media outlets now. And so I have a media pass and 
there is a room set up upstairs with all of the demos. Mm -hmm. And they actually had a Diablo Immortal demo. They had a couple of phones set up, but it was like in the very back corner. They didn't even have a light on over there. Oh. Like it was like <laughs> they just it's like, OK, technically we have to set this up because we want to, you know, it is still something we'll be releasing, you know, in the next 12 months. So we need to let people try it, but they're like, we just want to forget about this so much. We'll just put it in the dark corner. No one will go to. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, I did read an update. Uh, they, I think it's the, the creative director or the director of the game had posted to Reddit uh, with an update basically saying like the rumors were saying, oh, this game is ready to go. It's just Blizzard's sort of waiting to release just it. Just holding on to it, uh, yeah. Which isn't the case. Uh, they're still working on it. And uh, the new build added ultimates. And I think one other class, they, they, uh, the Demon Hunter was added, uh, as opposed to, I think the original, there was three classes from, from the first unveil. And it, I think, again, I think it still sounds like a really cool idea. I'm looking forward to playing it. Not too stoked that it's free to play, but, um, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be a good model for that game. Mm -hmm. But again, we'll have to, yeah, see. We'll have to I'm see. I'm kind of holding out. And the, the thing is like, Diablo, not my jam anyways, and, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about Diablo 4 in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, Diablo, not my jam. So uh, Immortal, as much as like, I played it last year and it was fun, it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is fun and this feels like Diablo and Diablo's not my jam. So moving on, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about Immortal last year. And uh, yeah, so I mean, and there were there were a couple of other things that they they actually did talk about in the opening ceremonies, but then that was pretty much the end of it. And uh, that was Heroes of the Storm and StarCraft Two. Um, I feel so bad for Heroes of the Storm, and mm -hmm. apparently they actually did a whole bunch of like uh, group interviews and a couple little panels and stuff, and they were very open and honest <laughs> with about a lot of stuff. And I feel so bad for that team because they obviously really love their game. And people have been asking for Deathwing in the game for so long. They finally put Deathwing in the game and Heroes is like a little like footnote to the rest of BlizzCon. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, man, you guys, I feel so bad for you. And but so, so different on the from plus last side, year, right? Yeah, on the plus side, though, with HOTS, um, the Deathwing... So they, they had something new this year, which was the Blizzard Arcade, where you could basically go and play any Blizzard game that has ever come out, like, all the way back to, like, Lost Vikings and stuff. Hmm. So that's where the, the demos were. So um, Heroes of the Storm was down in the Blizzard Arcade, and I didn't get to play Deathwing because the line for HOTS was a longer wait than basically any other demo ever. Like, I walked in in probably, I don't know, 10 minutes into the main area because I played uh, Diablo 4. We had a group of uh, five of us from my guild. And so we all went to try Diablo 4 together. And it took, like, probably 10 or 15 minutes. The heroes wait downstairs in the arcade. They were like, you're going to be here for, like, two and a half hours. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> And it wasn't like lack of machines or anything else. Like it was still a really big demo. It's just like everyone wanted to get their hands on Deathwing. So, I mean, I hope that um, that that because they also had um, RFID bands for the first time this year, and you had to like tap your band like everywhere. Hmm. So they really wanted to know 
who was going where and when. So hopefully they'll be able to see like the wait for heroes, the number of machines there were, like how many people were were lining up and tapping their wristbands to go into to Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. And that will inform them going forward and, and maybe we'll get some more support because uh, Heroes is still a really good game. Oh, yeah. I, I think with Heroes of the Storm, you're not going to see it return to its former glory, uh, but but you could definitely see them adding additional resources to up that cadence of hero releases and i don't think we've had yeah. a map in a whole year there hasn't been a no no there hasn't been a new map as far as i know so i think you know. um i remember they did a warcraft map yeah that might be the last one that i remember them releasing there Gosh, might have been that, one more since then but it feels like the, like august before last blizzcon i think so uh we might have gotten a map at last blizzcon now that i stop and think about it although i can't tell you which one it was honestly when they canceled hgc I am one of the people who am so guilty of kind of like walking away from heroes at that point thinking, mm-hmm. oh, it's not going to be supported. I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And I feel really bad about that because it's still a really fun game. And apparently it's in a really good spot now because, I mean, I think we've talked about it a couple times on this show. We've definitely talked about it over on For Azeroth with um, the um, the Mythic Dungeon Invitational and talking about how like esports has kind of a negative impact on just the balance of games in general and apparently heroes now that they don't have to balance for esports is actually in a really good place it's really fun to play it's, it's as balanced as you could kind of expect it to be and uh, people are having a lot of fun in it so now that they don't have to worry about the esport meta and making sure that everyone is um i don't want to say like having a good time but you know that everything's balanced and that heroes are seeing play at the highest level of play um, they're able to keep things balanced for the majority of the player base instead. And I think in that way, you create a more fun game where people feel that, that they can experiment more because they're not constantly going like, oh, well, you know, the only viable tanks are these two. It's like, well, no, they're all technically fine. <laughs> it's just if you are playing at a high, high esports level, that's where you're going to start to see those small, minute differences that make one character, you know, top tier and the other character absolute trash that's in the hands of someone who is in like the top four tank players in the world Mm -hmm. i'm sorry everybody else but you're not top four tank in the world so all of those tanks are probably fine (laughs) yeah and it's a it's just a mentality that's kind of across all esports right now and Mm -hmm. heroes seems to be in a better place because of the cancellation of hgc in terms of a, a balanced fun game I just think if obviously this has been discussed before but i feel like when they when they pulled the cord on hgc they should have kept the same cadence for a year and winded it down it was it was very much uh, a case of whiplash with that game and yeah the way it was it like was, night and day for sure yeah the way it was going and then suddenly stopped and then there was just no answers until we finally had that year experience of what this new cadence is and and now we have a better idea now we have an idea of like you know four heroes a year um you know balance updates that sort of thing uh i i personally have been looking forward to playing heroes of the storm uh for our extra life events um we haven't had a chance yet i'm hoping this saturday we'll be able to get some in um but uh yeah i haven't played since that one of the biggest updates they did was was the speed change i haven't played mm. since then and i hear it no, it's me a game either. changer 
So I haven't played since I think um, I, probably about a year now, actually, mm. when we were getting back into extra life planning and stuff, I had to make sure that I reinstalled hots. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I mean, it's ready to go. And, and certainly if, uh, uh, if we get some time, we'll play, but um, I've been playing a lot of Starcraft two with our good friend, Josh playing the co-op stuff. Uh, having that a blast. That was one of the announcements yeah. actually is they're getting a new co-op commander. So Manx is finally going to be, one of the StarCraft 2 co-op commanders and, and StarCraft 2 is another game that I haven't installed or I uninstalled just to try to make space, but I mm-hmm. uh, haven't played in a long time. Not because I don't find it fun. I just like, you know, I'm done the campaign and that's the part I like. I don't PVP because I'm terrible, like Bronze League for life over here. So, but <laughs> co-op is something in StarCraft 2 I haven't really dipped my toes into that much, but I know a lot of people really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have, we've been having a blast and honestly, the f- I can't remember the last time I purchased a co-op commander, but we ended up playing probably two or three nights in a row. And I played a Stetman, which is the newest hero that's, that was added uh, before Manx is coming. And I ended up purchasing him because I hit level five so quickly. I'm like, all right, well, uh, let's do this thing. And the fact that you can play these commanders up to level five for free, and that gives you enough of a taste to determine whether you're going to like to continue on with your adventures. So I'm looking forward to trying Manx. I, I have not read into him very much. Um, it seems like StarCraft Two co-op gets about maybe two heroes a year. I could mm-hmm. be, I, like, but it's still being supported, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy because I feel like we were talking about. Oh, I guess when we first started this show, so literally back in like 2011, um, they had just released or it was just coming up was um, the Swarm, Heart of the Swarm. Yeah, was being released. So I mean, like we're talking like this game is, I guess, Legacy of the Void would have been a couple of years after that. So probably what, 2014, 2015? I can't remember right off the top of my head. But, you know, it's getting a little bit long in the tooth now. We're talking four or five years post release of Legacy of the Void. And they're still giving you more content in StarCraft 2. And I think that's awesome because I think it's built on a really fun engine StarCraft 2 is actually the the World Championships is back in the arena this year, which was great. So they had like they split the arena with Overwatch. So like the first day it was the Overwatch finals and then the second day or sorry, vice versa. The first day it was the StarCraft finals. Second day it was the Overwatch finals. But just the fact that they're splitting that arena with Overwatch, I think, goes to show how popular StarCraft 2 still is. It's such a great eSport to watch, I think. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those games where it's like, I'm terrible at it, but watching someone play but is watching very it's cool. so good. Yes, it's so good. So yeah, StarCraft 2 still around, still being supported, still being talked about, which is great. Uh, no word on anything else StarCraft related. So there was kind of rumors going around that obviously no one was talking about, but there were rumors going around of a StarCraft game that got canceled, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a first person shooter type thing. So I'm not quite sure where the franchise is going to go from here, but at least as of right now, StarCraft 2 still being supported, still a great game. Um, and the the eSport is alive and very, very well. So it was it was really cool to see the StarCraft vibe still like representing at the con. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, I, I was uh, I was happy to see it there. Wasn't surprised to see a new co-op commander, and and I'm glad they. I was worried they were. This was going to be the BlizzCon where they 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 pulled the rug out from there. But I'm glad they've they've done it. It but... always kind of feels like that's that like the next BlizzCon is going to be the BlizzCon where StarCraft Two just kind of gets swept under the rug, and it never happened. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm very much so glad that it uh, 
that it's still there. But, um, you know, we also obviously I, I kind of broke down the notes for for tonight. And um, we ha- you have two podcasts that cover WoW and and Hearthstone, one podcast each that is. But Hearthstone new expansion, uh, the, the auto battler sort of uh, mode. It I don't know anything about it. Uh, I'm glad it's it's being added because that seems to be a thing people are doing. I'll check it out. Um, so yeah, Hearthstone. Um, so this is the first time Hearthstone has actually gotten a new way to play the game since Tavern Brawl was introduced in June of 2015. So to say Hearthstone needs new ways to play is like the understatement of the century. And I've never played an auto battler. Like I didn't get into auto chess. I don't play TFT. Like I'm not into all of that. Um, but Hearthstone's take on it, I have played the crap out of it. Like, I played it multiple times at BlizzCon. I played it. Um, so anyone who has the virtual ticket or went to BlizzCon or has pre-purchased the next expansion, you have access to Battlegrounds right now. And so I literally, like, got home and, like, yesterday I played for hours. And today, like, again, not feeling well. What do I want to do? I want to kind of just, like, sit and chill and play Hearthstone. So I've just been playing Battlegrounds all day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And, again, it might be the genre that I find fun. It might be Hearthstone's take on it. I don't know because this is my first auto-battler. But I find it really, really fun. And I think that you are... Um, rewarded at least right now for understanding the different minions and how Hearthstone works because it uses minions by by and large that are from Hearthstone already. There, there, I think are ten minions that have been created specially for this mode. But in general, it's made up of of minions from Hearthstone. So if you're already familiar with those, then it's going to be a little bit easier. But it's a lot of fun cool. and it's free. It's it's free to play. You don't have to. It doesn't pull from your collection like none of that. It just it is what it is. You can go in and you can play it right now. That's really cool. And it's open. It's still in beta. When does the open yeah. beta start? Uh, next Tuesday. So closed beta is uh, from yesterday. So uh, November 5th until the 12th and then in 12th it goes into open beta. So mm-hmm. okay. as cool. of next Tuesday, you'll be able to get into it regardless of if you've pre-ordered the uh, expansion or not dragons of descent 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 of of dragons yeah (laughs) so uh basically this expansion because this year in hearthstone is the year of the dragon and we've had no dragons (laughs) well sorry we've had three dragons released over two expansions and so this expansion seems to be just all dragons well there you go you've they've made up for the lack of dragons previous And very much like C'Thun, when he came out with Old Gods, um, they're giving away Galakrond, and not just one Galakrond, but there's actually five iterations of him, one for each of the evil classes, and all five of those legendaries are going to be given away for free as long as you log in to Hearthstone within the first 90 days of the expansion. So from December 10th onwards, for three months, if you turn Hearthstone on, you get five free legendaries. Essentially the (laughs) the active uh, time that that expansion would be yeah the exactly main. yeah uh, that's uh that's very generous and sounds really cool um i i again i watched the the trailer for it and the announcements uh i kind of i'll be honest with you I, I because i was watching the live stream sort of post um it being live uh i kind of was skipping <laughs> through uh yeah i realized how silly that sounds i was skipping through sort of the 
the the sort of talky bits of Hearthstone yeah. and just watching sort of the trailers and stuff. But I, I got to hand it to them in terms of their their commitment to sing-songy announcement trailers. Uh, <laughs> gotta say. Yeah, they're trying to make, like, catchy theme song after catchy theme song. Like, my only note to them is that, like, sometimes when they go into, like, especially in the Oldham trailer, when they go, like, up into, like, the really high screechy singing voice, I'm like, I don't know the words that you're saying. Like, in order for it to be catchy, I have to understand the words coming out of your mouth. So maybe bring that down a little. But, yeah, they're they're going for catchy theme songs, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I'm excited that everyone's, it seems to be, you know, generally positively uh, received this, this expansion. Hearthstone players are excited. Uh, yeah, overall, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell until we see all the cards releasing, but they're playing with, I mean, everybody loves dragons, and they're kind of playing with some interesting concepts and, and bringing some stuff back, but in different ways, like quests, so they're doing side quests instead, which means you can do it twice in your deck, they're not legendary, so they're they're playing around with some concepts, it looks like they're just not tying themselves in to anything one way or another, which is actually really nice. It gives them just some flexibility there, right? So, mm-hmm. well, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I look forward to. It. So, when is the t- the release schedule for for this one? They're December tenth. December tenth. Oh, December December yeah. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, and and I mean, World of Warcraft is another one where we got the the expansion announcement, and it leaked. Uh, like there was some uh, key art and assets and sort of story details that leaked. Not not to the point where we got probably the biggest surprise which was the fact that uh um the lich king's i don't know does it have a name for the the, the helm helmet? of domination oh wow okay well, yeah <laughs> uh, that's a mess and m right there so some helm of domination just gets ripped in half and honestly so Bo was on the show last week to do blizzcon sort of predictions which was more just looking at the leaks and trying to extrapolate from there and we saw the the wow shadowbringer stuff and I thought, man, they're just redoing Wrath of the Lich King. Like, what are they doing? And because the key art was uh, Bolvar. Was the Lich King. Yeah, yeah was it the was Lich Bolvar. King. Yeah. And then you watch that trailer and Sylvanas is there. It's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Maybe Sylvanas is going to, you know, try to battle for the helm. And then she takes the helm and rips it in half. And you're like, oh, I see what they're doing. Something that appears to be completely different. And if it takes an entire and again someone removed from the wow scene and only playing like the first couple months of each expansion then jumping out just to kind of keep the keep that game alive and for me um i when i saw that happen i thought to myself like oh they they used an entire expansion that people disliked story-wise to get sylvanas to this point where she's just running up to the lich king and i don't know how you feel about that but personally um it seems like a like a very expensive uh, move to have an entire expansion that people despise story wise just to get a character to a point. Like there might have been an easier way to to push her uh, yeah, north. It feels <laughs> honestly, it feels so much like um, ra- um, Warlords of Draenor in that way, where mm-hmm. Warlords of Draenor was just so much about um, like getting. Garrosh in the right place uh, in order to kind of usher in Gul'dan and his rule and then, you know, to, to have the whole Legion invasion. This feels very much the same because, I mean, you have this whole expansion of BFA that totally has no old gods, guys, don't worry, that turns out to be all about old gods. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god, Blizzard, like, this was so terrible. 
Hmm. It's like, that's the kind of storytelling that I hate where it's like, they end up being like, oh, we got you. And it's like, no, you straight up lied to us and then put the thing in that you said that you wouldn't. That's not a gotcha moment. That's like you intentionally saying there's no this and then there being that, you know? So yeah, like it's, a misdirect. it's very much like, yeah, it, well, not even a misdirect. Like oh, when you just straight up say there's no old gods and then the final boss of your expansion is an old god, you're just oh, lying. Lying. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, you're just, that's not misdirection. That's just no, lies. That's a, that's a good so, point, lying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, like I think what Blizzard does with WoW and their expansions where they they really are on an every other path where every other one is and i try to like rail against that to just be like no like this this isn't really the case like there were some redeeming moments but like the pattern is becoming more and more and more clear because a lot of people look back very fondly on pandaria not so fondly on kata very fondly on lich king maybe not as fondly on bc and the pattern really continues people didn't like wad they really liked legion now people don't like BFA, but now it looks like people are really stoked on Shadowlands. So it's kind of like, it seems like that's the pattern and it's getting almost like worse over the years. Like mm -hmm. you could say like, you know, BC was pretty much on par with the stuff that came before and after it. But then, you know, the, the heights are getting higher and the dips are getting lower and it's becoming very, very difficult to, you know, keep people engaged through those dips because they're just so low and... It's hard to convince people to come back. And I think, you know, kind of tipping the whole Sylvanas Lich, Lich Queen, like, fan, um, like, um, what, uh, fanfic, that's the, <laughs> sure. the word I'm reaching for. Like, that uh, kind of fan service idea, taking that, but then, like, flipping it on its head is probably a really good way to get people interested again, because people... No matter what she does, they just love Sylvanas. She's such an interesting character because she's just been involved in the game for so long. And she's had so many ups and downs as a character and a lot of really interesting story beats that um, she is a lot of people's favorite character. Even if now they've got her doing some some weird kind of evilly things, it's like she's just interesting. Yeah. Period. She, she so is, so the yeah. fact that she didn't, it really looked in the cinematic when she picked up the helm, it looked like she was going to put it on. And I'm just like, please, no. Like, please <laughs> tell me you can write a story beyond just what the fans want when they call her the Lich Queen. Like, please don't let this happen. When, when she, so tore when she it in ripped half. it in half, I was like, what? Yeah. I, I, I had <laughs> That's a great it, moment. It was one of the, so a lot of people, obviously, we're going to talk about Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 in a little bit. And that were that that was the highlights for a lot of folks. But for me, it really was that moment of of Sylvanas ripping the helm in half. So affected. It was like ripping people's expectations in half. <laughs> yeah, and but again, like that's why I asked. Like if if it requires us to have a throw, nah, gosh, that sounds really reductive, but I'll say it anyways. Like a throwaway expansion to get these characters, these pieces in the right place. Is it all? Is it worth it at that point? Like, I don't know. Honestly, like I found my big problems with the BFA story was very much like it felt like we came from a place where, as as a, an entire uh, maybe species isn't the right word, but you know, like as an entire world, we came together and repelled an invasion, and not only repelled the invasion, but ended the threat once and for all mm -hmm. of the Burning Legion, which is like 
or was the biggest threat in the universe. Like it had always been hanging over Azeroth. So the fact that we dealt with it and um, like came together in order to do that BFA and its story beats of like, oh, now we hate each other because of this glowy stuff. It was like, oh man, this just didn't ring true into a lot of people in a whole lot of ways. And I feel like if you had just had Sylvanas like walk away at the end of Legion and just say, like, now I'm free to to pursue my own power or go back and talk to Helia because she had been in some sort of bargain with Helia and the powers of death in Legion. Like, I feel like they didn't need BFA. Like, BFA felt like a way to bring the Kul'tirans and the Zandalari into the story and all the rest of it was just like, why are we even doing this? Like, you could take BFA out of all of this and I don't think anyone would notice because now we're just in a place where we're going to somewhere new. We're not going to be necessarily on Azeroth. We're going to be in the Shadowlands and we're dealing with what I think is a much more interesting story because it felt weird coming together to fight the Legion to be torn apart again, to be put back together again. Like it's just, it's too much. Like it's like one end of an elastic to another. It's like they keep stretching the elastic and then letting it snap back and then stretching the elastic and letting it snap back. It's like, okay, just stop. Mm. <laughs> like, just stop. It's just like put us it, together and let's just stop this whole Alliance horde thing because they've, I think they've proven they can't write a compelling faction war. So just stop trying. Like just, yeah. <laughs> it's over. You can have like underpinnings, like uh, you know, faction stressing, uh, or, or you know, where oh, there are sure. still people who have issues. Like you're always gonna well, have yeah, because those. like there are some races that are always gonna hate some other races because of big injustices done to them in the past, and I think that that's really important to create some of those more interesting, intricate stories, like with NPCs that you run into in major cities and stuff, or when you have to you know, fight shoulder to shoulder and, and put your differences aside. Those are compelling stories and I think should be told. Mm. And they were kind of alluded to in the WoW novel in Before the Storm, where they were talking about like Sylvanas, her whole reason for like restarting the war again was like, you know, the trolls will never forgive the night elves for wiping them out, you know, 15,000 years ago and blah, 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 on and on and on. She goes through like how the humans will never accept the Forsaken and, you know, the orcs and, you know, this, that and the other thing. And she kind of named off all the reasons that all the different races hate each other. And like it just it really hit home with why there should be animosity. But I think that, you know, having those animosities there while working together creates some dynamic characters and dynamic interactions that are fun to play. Mm. and just the constant like ripping us apart bringing us back together like that's not the way to write a compelling story so i hope we're just done with it now and it seems like we're moving into a system that's very similar to in legion with our class halls like now we have covenants so you know you choose a different faction and that has some far-reaching consequences in your transmog and your abilities like it just shadowland seems like a really interesting expansion from a story and a gameplay mechanic standpoint so i don't want to get too much further into it now because right. i can talk about wow i literally talk about wow for two to three hours every single week so if you guys are interested in my in-depth thoughts on shadowlands go check out for azeroth but mm -hmm. yeah 
there's some really cool stuff coming up. Yeah, I, I'm excited, you know, story-wise, because I feel... Uh, so just a couple more quick questions, and then we can move on, just sure. lore-wise. So in terms of what's happened in the cinematic, tearing that helm in half, the Lich King's done? Like, the Lich, we've dealt with the Lich King, uh, so to speak. Well, we don't know for certain, but... Yeah, we don't know for sure, because basically the thing about these uh, BlizzCon cinematics is they're always given out of context, right? So right. Um, basically, we know... In the last major cinematic that we had in in Battle for Azeroth, we had Sylvanas uh, screwing off basically, like she banshee mustache twirls her way out of Orgrimmar, yeah. and she disappears. And then, so this is basically like the first time we see Sylvanas again. Uh, we don't have any context uh, in the in between, mm-hmm. and we also don't have any like. Uh, broadcast text or like quest text and stuff happening afterwards after that cinematic. So from what I can tell, and again, there there were like <laughs> the thing about being at BlizzCon, you often miss a lot of BlizzCon because you can only see one thing at a time. And there's a lot of travel time between panels. If you have to go from like one hall to another, you're constantly fighting a crowd and you end up missing a lot of things. So there's a couple of wow panels that I actually missed that I have to get caught up on before we record Faz this week. But mm-hmm. um yeah, so they might have clarified some stuff, but basically, from what I can tell, the Helm of Domination basically was uh, created by the Legion in order to control the Scourge. And so it was infused with Nerzul, who was like uh, one of the original like necromancers and stuff. He was an orc, and they kind of took his soul and infused it into the Helm. Mm-hmm. So all of that like dark magic is in the Helm, and whoever wears the Helm controls the scourge and so that's why there must always be a lich king because there always had to be somebody sitting on that throne wearing that helm making sure that the scourge doesn't invade the rest of azeroth like you're basically keeping the scourge which are the mindless undead as opposed to the forsaken which are the playable characters that like have all their memories and stuff Mm -hmm. so uh they're keeping the scourge under control in northrend so the destruction of that helm i think is essentially giving the undead scourge their minds back, except for they don't have any minds. <laughs> so right. I think they're just now kind of like any other zombie plague, right? So they were like a giant hive mind, and now I think they're just like any other roaming zombies, like you would see in any other kind of fiction. So, <laughs> so a concern, think like, for sure. Yeah, so now that's the thing. I, I feel like... Um, we're going to have to deal with the problem of the afterlife and souls in the Shadowlands. But I don't think that that means that there are no concerns left on Azeroth. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like since the helm has been destroyed, my way of thinking is now the Scourge is not going to be contained to Northrend. So I expect to see the Scourge making their way through Azeroth in a second invasion sort of thing. That so that could be really the... interesting. Yeah, that could be the world event that happens usually yeah. before the expansion launches, maybe. Exactly. I, so I, think I don't really actually cool. know what that means for Bolvar. I think it's really interesting because, I mean, he's been kind of removed from the world since Wrath of the Lich King. He came back to kind of help out with the um, Death Knight Order Hall in Legion. But he hasn't been, like, an active member of society. He's, like, kind of a little bit undead himself. He's, like died but was risen by the power of the red dragon flight fire like he's got a real weird like no one's really sure what he is but he still has his own mind so it's like does what does bolvar do now i don't know 
But I think it's really interesting. And I think there's a lot of cool stories they could tell, especially mm. since we just in BFA, we met his daughter. So yeah, Ta- Talia, Talia, Talia. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's some stuff there. There's some stuff there. It's but really yeah, the, the Lich King, as we knew him, is gone. Bolvar is not dead. No, Bolvar just really the, upset the his hack got torn now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The power of the Lich King is gone. Okay. No, that's really cool. I'm. That was like a big roundabout way to explain. I'm <laughs> like, excited. No, we haven't fully dealt with Bolvar, but the Lich King's dead. But Bolvar's good, right? Um. So. The... <laughs> yes. Okay. With like a little asterisk, <laughs> kind of. So. Right. Bolvar was good. Bolvar was a paladin, so Bolvar yeah. was good. And he took up the helm for noble reasons. Again, always need a Lich King, got to keep the Scourge in Northrend. You know, we need somebody wearing the helm that we can trust, like that kind of a vibe. But he's been doing some shady things in the past couple of years. And people are speculating that wearing the helm might have like warped his mind away from, you know, the honorable ways of the light and more along the lines of like power seeking. Hmm. So... So maybe There's some just... questions about like what his plans are and and whose side he might potentially be on, but uh, but yeah, overall, yes, Bolvar is good in that he hasn't done anything outright that we know of that would put Azeroth in danger. Well, there's still time, <laughs> but he's uh... sketchy. He's sketchy. <laughs> like all good Blizzard characters, sketchy yes, as hell. He's sketchy, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a little sketchiness. Uh... Yeah. Cool. Well, that's really good. So is that is that was that, that all your that was questions? it? That was my that was my question because again, like I have cool. no idea who yeah. Bolvar is, and and yeah, okay, cool. I'm glad he he's really upset that his hat got torn in half, though. He was like yeah, really he was unhappy he was super that. upset, super yeah. upset. Yeah, I feel bad for him, kind of just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so if you guys are interested in supporting the show, if you like what we do here, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash/TheGamersIn. Like our newest patron, Alec, did. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You guys can also get involved in Extra Life by going to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2019. Links to um, all of our team members. Oh, sorry, I'm definitely running out of breath. Sorry. <laughs> well, I can <laughs> take over if you links. want. Sure, go ahead. So, Ryan, yes. Talk about Extra Life. Extra Life. This weekend, we're going to be streaming bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2019. Uh, it's my uh, marathon uh, weekend, going to be starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash Ryan Murphy CA. Jocelyn's going to be joining a. me. Yeah, yes. well, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where I think Ashley, now that's still being debated, but Ashley is is taking the kids and going to her parents for the day to to do some uh, off-site cooking, although that's that's being negotiated now. She might be back here but on i'm gonna have the house to myself it's gonna be an old school extra life stream where what? we just play video games order pizza and then uh have some fun so i don't really have a strict schedule just kind of like having some fun but we're doing it all in support of extra life and that's on saturday november 9th and jocelyn i believe you're going to be joining me at some point and streaming at twitch.tv slash joss plays correct i will be yeah so i'm gonna start my <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. I'm gonna start my stream at uh, noon because mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a crazy person. I like to sleep in, so uh, I, I will won't be get to start- sleep in. <laughs> just for the record, like I'll be up at like like probably 7 a.m. I, I still yeah, have to get up for yuck. kids. <laughs> so gross, so gross. I so know, um, 
I will be, uh, yeah, I'll be starting off at noon. I'm going to run uh, noon to midnight, maybe a little bit longer because these days tend to go a little bit longer. Although I will say I'm, I'm hoping, knock on wood, that I'm actually fully healthy again by Saturday. And mm -hmm. so if that's the case, I might not want to push it. But at the same time, I will get my 12 hours in for sure. So, um, yeah, cool. this is my third of four 12-hour marathon days. So I'm super stoked about it. I think it's going to be really fun. And we're going to get to do lots of really fun stuff. Like, we're going to play some Dead by Daylight, I'm sure. We're going to play some Heroes. Like, we're going to probably go back to see if Thieves a little bit more. Like, yeah. there's going to be some good times this Saturday. I'm excited to be able to uh, play games with you for the entire sort of the entire sort of run as opposed to just joining you later in the evening because i feel like i missed out on a lot of cool fun but i, I yeah. <laughs> was able to check it out and watch and, and dead by daylight is one of those ones i'm i'm looking forward to uh playing because again I, I really hope and you guys should hit us up on the discord if you aren't already in there it's sure. bitly slash uh tgi discord but you guys should hit us up if you're going to be around this saturday because i would love to put a full team of five together and then do things that's like, because I don't want to go on the ladder because they've changed matchmaking and Ryan, you're just going to have a really bad time. So sweet. <laughs> what what I want to do is get a group of five of us together and we can like rotate people in and out if we want or whatever. And just be able to kind of create our own custom games and maybe handicap me as a killer a little bit and, mm -hmm. you know, or vice versa, handicap me as a survivor and get everybody in the same voice chat and just have a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. my dead by daylight dream. <laughs> I think we can make it happen. We've certainly made it happen before. So, yeah. Uh, so if you guys have the game and you're interested, you're going to be around this Saturday. Do hit us up in the Discord again. That's Bitly slash TGI Discord. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit now about the really big announcements, as if we haven't talked yeah, enough already. It's a good but... thing we spent an hour on all the other stuff. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to talk about the two really big announcements, which were uh, Diablo Four and Overwatch Two. So. These are our like full on sequels. It's the next in a franchise. Um, it's not just an expansion, although there's an argument to be made about Overwatch, but we'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. First up, Diablo 4. So, Ryan, I know uh, me personally, not a huge Diablo fan. We talked about it earlier when we touched on Immortal, but um, I did play through Diablo 3. Like, I played through the story. I just don't make use of a lot of like the end game stuff. So, I don't go for like Paragon levels and do rifts and all that kind of stuff. So, how about you, like, Diablo-wise, have you gone back to it since we played through the campaign? Uh, well, funny enough, when uh, last weekend I did a BlizzCon stream for Extra Life, and the two games we played were StarCraft II Co-op, and then we were going to jump into Heroes of the Storm, and I thought, you know what, we should play Diablo. Uh, after Diablo 4 was announced, we had a niche for Diablo 3, and we honestly played... I went even later, I think we ended up stopping at, like, 1 a.m., and we might have oh, even, wow. even hit the time switch. Um <laughs> And, and this is something we didn't talk about about Extra Life, but uh, it, it it warrants noting that the the official game day was last Saturday, um, yeah. and I'm really this is gonna this might sound bad, but I'm really glad we've kind of moved away from official game day, and it's not Extra Life's fault, but they had a lot of issues with their website, and if anyone was trying to donate or check out our team page or any of other our our other members. Um, there were a lot of issues from the site not loading to double charges to no charges uh, to no credit when you're when you're donating, um, and they're still trying to resolve those issues. They had a DDoS attack uh, on Saturday. Who does that? Like who attacks a charity for children? I know. Come and, on. <laughs> and, and to me, it, it makes no sense. Like 
it, it doesn't make a lick of sense that it would happen. And I, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say like, oh, well, if Extra Life is being DDoS, like, why isn't this being DDoS? Like, the way people decide to do this type of stuff, I think it really is just about impact as opposed to uh, uh, effect. Like, they're just trying to make as big an impact uh, in the news cycle and, and to disrupt even such a great cause like this. It's it's ridiculous. Um but that being said, on this Saturday, it, it should be fine in the sense that there won't be a reason There's for that There's not as much attack. attention. It's, it's not exactly. game day. Yeah. I, oh, man, I can't believe that that it, happened. It, That's it was so gross. really, really sad. And I felt for everyone who was planning their game day on official game day. All that being said, we played Diablo 3. We were joined by uh, Josh and Bo and a couple other listeners to to have a full sort of Diablo party. We started new characters. We did seasonal, and we just blasted through. We had a really fun time. So when they announced Diablo 4, and we alluded to it at the, at the top of the show um, with, with the skin cape comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but again, a very sort of brutal and dark and gruesome uh, unveil with that 10 minute cinematic. Uh, yeah, they actually the had signs all over the place saying like there, they had a screen set up to watch the opening ceremony. And I don't know, I guess it must've just been like, uh, we'll be right back on a black screen or something because they had signs everywhere saying like, uh, if you don't want to see mature content, like go to this hall where they're showing like a, a, a G rated opening ceremony basically. And I was like, I've never seen those signs before. Like, is that for Diablo? Like what's going on? I didn't really think Diablo was that out there. Then they started making capes out of blood. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Jeez. You're taking it to a really dark place. A really interesting place. Obviously as a lover of horror, I was like, yes, Diablo, let's get, let's get dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the cinematic being like ten minutes, sort of unveiling this this our new big bad, um, and you might have noticed one of our uh, one of one of a voice actor that keeps popping up. He might have sounded familiar. It's the guy, the main character from from Vampire Vampire. Uh, not, okay, not our favorite game, but a, a very noticeable voice actor to me. And I guess he's playing this like. Uh, this welcomer of evil i don't know he didn't we didn't get a character name for him but he's got a he's kind of like a like white face paint type dude bald and stuff um but they're welcoming lilith back into the world which is the daughter of mephisto which was a a boss character in the second diablo i believe and she is i think they called her the creator of sanctuary yeah she is the uh the demon that you know, laid with an angel and created the Nephilim, which has then led to uh. humanity. Uh, so very interesting. And I mean, they allude to the fact that, you know, obviously Diablo will play some part. Uh, I believe she's holding like Diablo. That looks very much like Diablo's skull that she's holding in some of the concept art. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, but her her unveil and her coming into the world through this sort of summoning ritual, uh, the game, like it just, it looked... Like they're going back to that hard, gritty, gruesome Diablo feel, which I know a lot of people are excited about. Personally, you know, I, I like Diablo three. I like the way it looked. I'm, I'm not like yeah, blood and gore, but I'm also I'm happy that people are happy. I'm I'm cool either way, as long as the gameplay is good and it's fun. That's where I'm at. I don't care if things are exploding and blood's going everywhere. <laughs> that's cool. Extra bonus. Um, but the gameplay that they unveiled and the three classes that they're talking about right now with the barbarian, um, 
the barbarian, the, the sorceress, and the, yeah, the druid. And the druid, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, what I'm not excited about is the fact that this a lot of people are being very positive about when this game is coming out, and I really don't feel like it's it's until at least 2022. This is far out. Yeah, and it, it's it kind of uh, so I played the demo. I had hands on with uh, Diablo Four, and cool. it really felt like it. Not that like it, it wasn't ready, but it felt really rough. And I mean, the demo wasn't really working properly. I got like booted out of my party and stuff, which was a pain because then I just had to like run back through everything that already killed to try to catch up to them and stuff. And it was like for someone who's unfamiliar with Diablo, I couldn't tell you what the differences are between three and four. In the video of the gameplay that they showed in the opening ceremony, I really got the feeling that there's a little bit more like uh, verticality to it and a little bit less like invisible walls. So it's like I can be standing on a cliff above and then like cast an AOE spell below me onto another path and you can like blink across chasms and jump across chasms and stuff, which it felt like in uh, Diablo 3 from what I remember. Again, it's been a really long time since I played Diablo 3. Um mm -hmm. But it felt like the edge of stuff was like the, a, a wall. Like you just, you couldn't go by it. So Diablo 4 seems to throw that out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you got a chance to try it though. It's unfortunate the demo wasn't really functioning at, at certain yeah, points. Yeah. I mean, but... like it was, it was still fine. I mean, and, and I played uh, the sorcerers. People who played the druid seemed to have a really good time. Um, but again, like I played a class that was the class I played in Diablo three. So it felt like more of the same. So, uh, again, I don't know Diablo well enough to really speak to the differences, but, um, people seem pretty stoked on it. Um, mm. and there was a, there was a decent line through the whole event and, but they kept people moving at a really good clip. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Like I say, it was more of the same. Um, there were lots of bad guys. I made them explode. Mm -hmm, and it was good. satisfying. So, you know, and then it was like ping, 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 as a whole bunch of loot dropped. Um, one thing that you did get to try in the demo that was kind of cool was like kind of like group phasing almost. So right. there, there's kind of like world bosses. So like our group of five uh, or six, I can't remember now, uh, got paired up with like another group. And then we all together took on this world boss. And apparently that's going to be like a feature of Diablo 4 is... Mm -hmm the ability to go to these like world events and then you kind of get to that area of the map and more players will spawn in and you kill it together. Yeah, that was uh, that was sort of the addition that they talked about, the big addition, which was the shared uh, open world, sort of Destiny-like. Yeah. Not necessarily like an MMO where they try to jam-pack as many people as possible in, into an open area, but more like Destiny where there are these areas that are open, the roaming areas where there will be these world... I haven't seen what that looks like, the gameplay of what that looks like, um, but it just it feels like a great addition uh, and what kind of sets this aside from other numbered sequels that we could possibly get from Blizzard. Because again, you uh, you look at Diablo 4 and then you look at what they're doing with with maybe a StarCraft 3 and we haven't seen that yet. Um, I'm glad they're adding something new to Diablo 4 and not just being like, it's, it's a new version of your favorite Diablo. Um, and yeah. they're actually expanding upon it. Because again, if you were to look at just a, an, you know, just a, 
a new version of Diablo, you'd be like, okay, well, this is great. So if you're doing this, then you should be obviously working on a new version of StarCraft because you're also mm-hmm. due up to do that. Um, but it's good that they're they're not they're not just putting a fresh coat of paint on on the on a on the same formula, and they're kind of trying to ch- change things up. And people seem generally positive about Diablo Four. Yeah. Uh, from the show but again i think where people are are probably looking at this with rose-colored glasses like we're gonna wait for this one. Oh um, yeah no I, it did feel um just from from what they showed that it i would say yeah 2021 is entirely optimistic mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely not 2020 because that's something obviously we would have uh Maybe not gotten an exact release date, but if it was anywhere near ready. But we also know from a lot of stuff that's been leaked just over the past 12 months, ever since the Diablo Immortal debacle, that um, the Diablo team tried and scrapped multiple games that they had, you know, fairly, not necessarily close to release, but they'd put a lot of work into them. They've they've scrapped Diablo 4 multiple times. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if this is some new iteration that, you know, they've, they've just had for the last you know eight to 12 months then yeah the it takes longer than that to build a diablo so yeah well i i seems hope. like they've got a story they've got some cinematics they've got some you know base architecture built so but i think we're still a good couple years out yeah. so 2021 would be my very very optimistic guess and 2021 is is very it's much closer i mean once we hit 2020 you'll be like looking at 2021 and it's like okay that's that's literally around the corner and 2022 (laughs) is not that far out it's it it, sounds so far away but then you're just like wait but we're literally going to be in 2020 in just a couple of weeks yeah (laughs) for sure and i mean speaking of uh sort of looking at release dates and people being uh, still, I think being optimistic, but we talk about, we look at overwatch two as an announceable and everyone's looking at it as like, well, that's gotta be 2020. And again, I think if it was 2020, they would have said, so they would have said, would have this said, is coming yeah. out next year. And the fact that they didn't do that should really be telling people that this is a probably spring. My guess is spring 2021 for overwatch two, uh yeah i can get behind that i think it's probably not in 2020 i think we'll probably get a release date that'll be close to the start of the year uh at next blizzcon mm -hmm. because if we were going to get it before next blizzcon they would have said yeah oh of course and i mean um so overwatch 2 details uh we we alluded to it earlier sort of an expansion type dealio but it is a numbered sequel yeah it's it's really interesting because they talked about uh kind of doing away with the idea of a sequel and doing a sequel in a new way but to me i mean they always talked about doing pve content in overwatch and and overwatch is the game out of all the franchises that i fell off the hardest like i tried it i had uh i had a decent amount of fun i played it for a few months and then i just dropped it like a hot potato like, I just, I, I didn't have any interest in playing it competitively. As soon as I would go into quick match, I'd get yelled at. And I was just like, this isn't fun. Like, who enjoys this experience? Because it's not <laughs> me. And I cannot watch it as an eSport. I hate, 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 hate oh. jumping from character to character to character in that first person view. Because I can't keep track of what the heck's going on. So I don't like any kind. I don't like Overwatch at all. <laughs> Which is really funny because my brother is huge. He loves Overwatch. He was like literally texting me. He's like, I'm at work right now. I can't watch BlizzCon. Can you like give me a play by play? So I was sitting there like 
texting him all through the the opening ceremonies and everything they were talking about overwatch i'm like it's this and this but it's not this and this and this and i'm like i don't really know what all these words mean but i'm gonna tell you what they said anyway (laughs) and he was like oh this is so good i'm like all right i mean (laughs) and he doesn't do anything else blizzard the only thing blizzard he likes is overwatch a lot of people uh, have come to you know the Blizzard side with Overwatch. It's a massive property. Um, I, I think with with what they announced, it was very you uh, player focused in the sense that they're not splitting the player base. Every hero Which, and like okay, so that that I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that Overwatch one players are going to be playing against Overwatch two players, or does that just mean? that all of the heroes and all of the maps are going to be available to both. What I So what I imagine is going to happen is if you own Overwatch 1, you own the PvP side of Overwatch 2. You are going to get upgraded to Overwatch 2 okay. at no cost um, in the sense that you'll be able to access all the new heroes and all the new maps. The way they worded it was... Working, working on the new engine, basically? I think so. That would be okay. my guess. They kind of worded it in the... The way they worded it, it sounded very much like you have Overwatch 1, you have Overwatch 2, we're not splitting the player base, but you're going to yeah, get you all the heroes and playing maps. together. Yeah. So by that logic, I would I would think it'd be more work on Blizzard's part to keep separate engines talking to each other. And, yeah, and, and separate, separate servers and uh, yeah, or yeah. whatever. So yeah. they're, they're going to merge. Uh, you're going to have uh, all the new heroes and all the new PvP maps and modes coming to, I believe, modes. Don't quote me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, coming to Overwatch and Overwatch 2, they announced a new PvP mode called Push, uh, a, a lovingly uh, cute robot that says, I'm pushing this way, now I'm pushing that way. Uh, sounds delightful. Um, but uh, yeah, the big addition is the PvE stuff, and that is exclusive to o- Overwatch to 2. Overwatch 2, yeah. yeah. And so this is kind of where they're calling it a sequel, but it's not quite a sequel, but it's not quite an expansion because... Um, they are allowing you to use all of your cosmetics from Overwatch in Overwatch 2. But yeah, the, the co-op stuff and the PvE stuff is is Overwatch 2 exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I think, so they didn't give us a release date and they also didn't give us any pricing, which um, a lot of people are kind of on the fence about whether they're going to support Overwatch 2 or not. Because like I mentioned, the PvE side of things feels like, and and I'm just going off like random tidbits that I kind of heard mentioned here and there because Overwatch is not a game I follow closely. Um, But from what I understand, releasing PvE content was always something that the team was talking about as a part of just straight up Overwatch. So a lot of people are saying like, oh, you're going to release all this content and make me pay for it again for a game that was already a $60 game. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you told me you were going to make PvE stuff and now I have to buy it. And I'm like... I don't I don't know like which um, which side of that fence I, I belong on, because, again, I, I haven't paid that much attention to it, so I don't really know what Blizzard promised. But from the sounds of people who follow it closely, if this costs money, they're going to be upset. And I'm like, it's if you cost expect money. an expansion to not cost money, then yeah, <laughs> be ready I, to be upset. <laughs> I think it, I don't believe it'd be a full price game. Um although blizzard has certainly done that well original i was gonna say original overwatch was full price and that was just a pvp mode so now if they're putting story and cinematics and all the rest of it in uh, then 
I mean, to me, that's more work, right? In PvP, the people are essentially making the game mode, right? Yeah. So all they have to do is build the box that the people are going to play in. <laughs> they don't yeah. have to build a quest or a story or a, you know, whatever, do all that voice acting, everything else. It's like, no, you just throw the players in the box and then they kill each other. And well, that's the game. <laughs> I think Overwatch, uh, that when it launched, there was the full price version that came with a bunch of skins, right? But then you could save like maybe 15, maybe even just $10 by buying like a, like just without the skins and stuff. I think it was like the Overwatch pre, pre, I don't know what it was called, but Origins or something like that. Anyways, um, yeah, I think I you're right. It'll probably be full price. It's a lot of work to build these PVE modes, um, and I want to see more of that. And I think that's where they we didn't get a release date because they're still probably building out that content. Because when you talk about this being a full price product, you talk about having these PVE areas, you're not going to get away with launching uh, an unfinished sort of not unfinished, but a uncompleted version. So with the original Overwatch, when it came out, there were just a certain amount of heroes and a certain amount of maps, a good selection of those maps, modes and heroes. But again, the promise of building upon that, I don't mm -hmm. think you get away with as much saying, here's our initial PVE offering, we're going to build on it over the next five years. That's, yeah. that's not going to work. That's not going to fly for a lot of folks. But then again, it is Overwatch, it is Blizzard. People forgive a lot uh, for this yeah. franchise. I mean, we, I don't, I haven't watched the panels. I haven't dug much deeper than what was announced at the opening ceremony. But I wonder, did they talk about loot boxes? Are they going to be addressing that concern in Overwatch 2? The fact that they're merging and keeping all the Overwatch 1 loots, loot and stuff and bringing it into 2 tells me that they're probably going to continue with loot boxes. Yeah, I, I would despise so. that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, it's the reason I stopped playing Overwatch. I spent a bunch of money, didn't get what I wanted, and realized, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? And and you're right. I was also not having fun just with the general quick play and, and meta, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited that we're getting our first Canadian hero. We're getting a Toronto map. Uh, that sounds really cool. It's good to know Canada mm -hmm. exists in the near future. Yep. <laughs> I made that joke a couple times, and I will make it again here. It's a great um, joke. <laughs> I know. I mean, really, if you watch uh, any of these Armageddon movies, I think the only movie that actually talked about Canada was uh, that one with Jake Gyllenhaal where, like, everything freezes. And they basically oh, say, like, yeah. everybody in Canada is <laughs> dead. Like, they they froze to death. Day, day after tomorrow or day something about that yeah day after tomorrow yeah and uh and yeah they there's a there's a cutaway and they talk about you know north america and they they say like the entire top half of north america they don't say canada but at least they have reference <laughs> the, the entire top half of north they, america they show us on a map yeah just, we're dead it's all we exist white. we're all dead we're frozen it's all white but, yeah you know that part of america but, and that part of north america exists i said that part of america exists oh my god it's honestly now too. i wouldn't put it past the movie honestly um, but no, there are other movies like Mars Attacks where they literally show like major populaces around the world. And yet Canada is like, Hey, we're fine. You know, yeah. uh, they just didn't bother <laughs> to come why, to Canada. Honestly, I love living in Canada because every disaster movie ever does that. And I'm yep. just like, so apparently we're just not at risk of anything. So I live in the perfect part of the world right now. You know, lots of space, lots of fresh water, not a lot of people. So no interest of like, you know, terrorists or aliens mm -hmm. or, you know, this, that and the other thing. So, yeah, I feel 
pretty comfy being where I am. <laughs> yeah, but from a video game standpoint, I really love the way they portrayed Canada in Detroit Become Human. Um, I'm interested to see what Overwatch does because they did, they really announced it as like, this is our first Canadian hero. And they were very, yeah. they didn't talk about it as if like, yeah, we're finally doing Canada. People have been asking about it. No, it's like, we're, they seem genuinely excited to explore that area of the world and kind of um, talk about it and focus on, on Canada. And that's the first new hero that they've announced, which is, I think it's Sojourner. Um, and uh, I, I might not be pronouncing that correctly, but she looks to be sort of like a, like an assault character. Again, mm. I didn't dive deep, but I'm excited that we're getting a Canadian hero and Toronto. I want to see what the Toronto map looks like. I think that's going to be really neat. So here's the funny thing. We, again, this was leaked and Bo and I were going back and forth and there's like a good 15 minute conversation about what a Toronto map would need to have. And we went through it and it's like, okay, there's going to be a statue of hockey, a reference to Tim Hortons. Uh, The CN Tower has to be in the skyline. The CN Tower has to be there. It's all there. There's a giant uh, hockey statue. There's a Tim Hortons (laughs) reference. And while you're moving through the map, I asked Bo because he was he was watching it. I said, Bo, have they showed the CN Tower yet? And sure enough, he sends me a screen grab and there's the CN Tower uh, that's that's plainly visible in, in one of the portions of the map. And and there's a future Sky Dome uh, as well in in the key art. So uh, yeah, we've got our Toronto map, and they pretty much included a lot of the the common Toronto they landscapes. Checked a lot of boxes. <laughs> they did. Uh, honestly, it's going to be tough for them to do another Canada map because they kind of exhausted all of the stereotypes in the Toronto map. <laughs> oh no! I mean, maybe you could get they away could with do, a, like Vancouver with like mountains in the background. You could do Vancouver. I feel like you could do Vancouver, um, but then that might that might uh, stop you from doing like an Alaska map. Maybe I don't know that I know they're very different regions, but you could, ah, maybe that's wrong, but, but you could also probably do a, like a, a, a like a French Canadian map, uh, like a Quebec map that would probably, that could probably be done there, you know, very different cultures. You can pull from a very, you know, very different, uh, very different stereotypes and stuff. No Mounties from what I saw. That was one of my big oh, ones okay. that I, that I hope they, they stayed away from, especially with Toronto. Like Mounties are probably more closely, obviously, to the uh, the Western provinces. I mean, they do exist across Canada, obviously, but uh, yeah, a BC map would be really cool. So, like Vancouver, that would be really neat. But yeah, uh, Overwatch Two. Honestly, again, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I want to see what that PVE looks like more closely, and whether because again, like the way the characters moved in Overwatch. Um, didn't really lend well to telling like it was very pvp focused uh and whenever they tried to do sort of the pve stuff it just felt a little mannequin-y and robot-y mm. so i'm ho- I, I think they've addressed that to a certain extent from what i've seen and I'm, I'm excited to see where they go and obviously they're still very much working on it but again not not enthused by uh by like when this thing's coming out like it's gonna be a wait so i'm not I'm not like gonna get all hyped about it and have to wait. Yeah, I think I think early 2021 is probably a good estimate. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny because like this was definitely the hardest BlizzCon to keep up with because there were so many announcements. But it's funny because like Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, like the two big franchises that got their next cool big thing announcements were uh, the two franchises that I was probably least interested out of all of them. But there was there was good stuff across the board. Whoops, I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. Um, there was good <laughs> stuff across the board, and uh, overall, it was a really good BlizzCon to attend. 
um, the yeah the the vibe really kind of changed after the beginning of it, and everyone was just kind of there to have fun. And we got a lot of really cool announcements. There's a lot of stuff coming down the the Blizzard pipe that I think is really exciting. I'm stoked about Hearthstone. I'm stoked about WoW, uh, and I'll I'll definitely check out Diablo Four. Overwatch Two, I'm still kind of meh on, but we'll see. Hmm. It might be cool. It might be cool. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed our BlizzCon recap. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think, you can email us at info at gamersandpodcast.com. You can also hit us up on the Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord, or you can visit us on the web at gamersandpodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Brian is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Not an hour 40, but an hour 20. Wow. <laughs> We're not allowed to state whether a show will be short. Yeah, it's going to be short. Yeah, I don't think we have it in us. As soon as you started asking me lore questions, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>